0: Well, good morning, everybody. Last week, we started a series called Friendship Mixtape, where we are splicing together all the wisdom from Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes to create the perfect friendship mix. And we talked last week about how important it is to find the right quality friends, because the quality of your friends can really determine the quality of your life. And I think that all of us would agree, we want good friends, but good friends can be super, super hard to find. In fact, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of an episode of The King of Queens when Doug and Carrie realized their social life was in the toilet and they needed some new friends. So where do you go to find new friends? Well, if you're Doug and Carrie, you go to the local Home Depot to look for a couple who looks like they might be some good friends. Let's see how this plays out for them, though, okay? Hey. How about them? Mm-hmm, uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> okay, I'll give them a tumble. All right. Let's make our move. It's magic time. <laughs> hey, huh? Look at that color right there. Look at that. Ooh, that is nice, huh? Yeah, that is nice, wow. That Dutch boy knows his way around a can of paint, you know what I'm saying? They're a great variety. The best. Hey, you guys want to get out of here, catch a movie? What? Just grab some dinner, maybe go to an olive garden. There's one by the theater. Um, we actually have plans. Oh, no biggie, okay? Not a problem. Take care now. <clears throat> the walk If only it were that easy, right? Go to the friend store, go down aisle nine, look on your left, and you'll find friends that are fun, loyal, and godly. Wouldn't that be great? Now, while we laugh at Doug and Carrie, we can't help but to sympathize with them, right? Because they're just doing what they're wired to do, what all of us are wired to do, to seek out connection, community, friendship, companionship. That's how we're wired, Because that's how our creator is wired. He is a relational God, and he created us to be relational beings where we seek out intimacy, where we can know others and be known by others. But choosing the right friends, as I said earlier, is so crucial because the type of friends we have speak into the kind of marriages we'll have, the kind of parents we become, the crucial decisions that we make. Even our walk with God is largely influenced by the company we keep. That's why Proverbs twelve twenty six says it this way. The righteous, in other words, those who strive to be godly, choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Now, I don't know how many of you were in here pre-worship, right before service started, but the worship band played a song. Did any of you recognize the song they played? It was the theme song from a wildly popular sitcom during 1994 to 2004, simply called Friends. And each week, the storyline with Friends was how uh, three guys and three girls developed their friendship, right? And I think that the reason why that this, sh- this show, this sitcom, was so popular in its day and time, uh, even it's very popular on Netflix right now, is because we are curious to see how other people navigate the challenges of maintaining good friendships. What happens when friends argue? What happens when they fight? How do they accommodate one another? How do they make up? How do they break up? Even if those storylines are fabricated and scripted, it still draws our attention, right? I think another reason why we're attracted to shows like that, or why that show was and is so popular, is because each of us has in us this deeply felt need for connection with other human beings on a friend level. But here's what all the reports are telling us. That friendship is declining in America. Did you know that the average American today will tell you, they only have two close friends. 25% of Americans, or maybe we could say about 200 people in this church, would tell you they don't have one close friend. So there's this crisis of friendship like there's a poverty of friendship we talk about economic poverty and moral poverty and spiritual poverty well there's like this relational poverty going on all around us where we've got a lot of surface level relationships with people but we don't have any in-depth relationships and there's lots of things around us in our day and time that are the cause for this decline of friendship one of the main culprits social media In a strange way, social media has affected friendships. And not necessarily in a positive way. Because this tool that was meant to bring people together has actually caused us to live further apart. As David Kim says, and I quote, More of us are digital natives. Especially the millennial generation. And the more we are technologically fluent... We are finding ourselves suffering and saturated by fragmented and superficial relationships. Translation, the more high tech we become, the more low touch we become. And it seems like cell phones and mobile devices have caused people to withdraw themselves socially and now they're getting their friendship fixed through a screen. You don't believe me? Just watch the atmosphere. When you go out to eat for lunch after church today, just look around at those people who are dining. Next time you have a family gathering, look at everybody in the room and see how many people are engaging and interacting more with their device than they are with one another. Anybody in here ever been guilty of that? Yep, me too. Been guilty. But here's what we have to remember, folks. A glowing screen cannot be a replacement for heart-to-heart, face-to-face connection with people. That will never be replaced by Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, or Instagram. So technology, social media, has been a culprit. You know what else has been kind of a culprit of friendships? Mobility we're finding more and more people are moving today. Lots of professionals in different careers move on an average of four times in 10 years. In America alone, 100,000 people a day move to a new home, which means often they're moving away from the friend group that once anchored them. Another culprit is our busyness as Americans. Americans. We are commuting now a lot further to work. A lot of people are working more overtime. Lots of people working second jobs. Our kids have activity after activity after activity, and we're running them here and there, and we're going to watch them and support them and cheer them on. So we're just too busy for our friendships. You remember that song that James Taylor sang called, You've Got a Friend? Remember how it went? Winter, spring, summer, or fall? All you have to do is what? And I'll be there. You've got a friend. I think if that song were written today, it might sound like something like this. Winter, spring, summer or fall, all you have to do is text. And I'll pencil you in two weeks from Thursday, right? Because of the busyness and the pace that we're keeping in our lives. Someone said, I am so overbooked that I consider someone a true friend who doesn't call me. (laughs) So even though we have this felt need, this God-given need for connection with other people, the truth is that many of us have made it very, very optional. And Here's what I want you to hear this morning. The Bible, that source of authority that we go to on how to live life, The Bible has just as much to say about interpersonal relationships with one another as it does about theology and doctrine itself. So, what I want you to do this morning is turn in your Bible to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs today. Last week we looked at the book of Psalms. We looked in Psalm chapter 1 which was penned by King David. And King David said, listen, you've got to be really, really careful who you allow yourself to be around because they're going to influence you and influence is going to lead to behavior, whether good or bad. And now King David's son Solomon is going to pick up where his dad left off. And through the book of Proverbs, he's going to show us what are the characteristics of good, healthy, life-giving friendships. And what are the characteristics of friendships that are painful, that are sinful, friends that bring you down? Now today we're going to look at more of the positive side of friendships, we're going to look at faithful friends, and how to be a faithful friend, and what to look for in someone as we look for faithful friends, all right? And next week we're going to get into the more painful side of friendships, some of those things that aren't so, uh, the things that we don't really pursue in friends. So, turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. We're going to be in chapter 13. We're going to be all over Proverbs. I want to start with chapter 13, verse 20, because this is probably one of the more popular Proverbs about friendship. And some of you in here can really relate to what Solomon says here. It kind of reflects what his dad David said last week in Psalm 1. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffer, suffers harm. Everybody in here who has friends, they're going to help you or they are going to harm you. So if you want to choose wisely, choose wise friends. Choose friends who love God, who love you, who understand what friendship is all about who are living themselves for the glory of God and are going to help you live for the glory of God. You hang around people like that, Solomon says, and you will grow in wisdom because wisdom lives in people and they gather wisdom from their life experience. But he says here, the companion of fools suffers harm. If you pick the wrong friends, you are going to pay for it in some form or fashion. It's going to hurt in more ways than one. Because their foolishness is going to rub off on you, and you're going to act foolishly and rebelliously and sinfully, and it's going to lead to all sorts of problems in your life. So let's talk today about what it means to be a faithful friend. One trait of faithful friends is that they are loyal In times of adversity. They're going to be there. You can count on them and depend on them. Listen to Proverbs 27.10. Never abandon a friend. Either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. If you really love somebody, you are going to stand with them in times of adversity. In contrast, there are those people who desert their friends when difficulty comes. This is why we call them fair weather friends. When the sun is shining and everything's calm, you can count on them. But the first hint of dark skies and stormy weather, they are nowhere to be found. And here's what we know about adversity and hardship in life. There are two sources of these things, the only two that I can think of, if you think of another, let me know. But one is what happens inwardly, that hardship and adversity comes through decisions we make or sinful actions, and we simply reap what we sow. The consequences of our actions come home to roost, right? But then there's also those things that happen that are out of our control, There's the um, circumstances that come our way that we had nothing to do with. We just become a victim of the circumstances. But whether or not our adversity and hardship comes from things that we've inflicted on ourselves, or whether they come from outside forces we had no control or power over, a faithful friend will be there with consideration and compassion. In fact, here's what I realized this morning. Some of you didn't realize the true strength of your friendship until adversity came. Some of you in here, your best friendships were birthed out of a time of crisis and hardship. In fact, what I want to do with you right now is I want to share with you an email that I received from somebody here at Batcher Creek who makes this point beautifully about how during a time of crisis, hardship, pain, and adversity in her life, there was a group of people who came around her like a safety net to make sure she didn't fall. They were loyal in times of adversity. And she's talking about here her community group. All right, I want you to listen to what she writes. She says, this group of friends became a lifeline for each other. They saw me through some of the darkest days of being a mother to a child that was forever changed. When I needed them, they made a round trip to Minnesota to move my oldest daughter back home where she was safe again. They came, loaded and drove us home in a 24-hour period with no sleep. Never once making us feel like we were a burden, but only making us feel loved by words and actions. Again, this group of friends stepped up when dark days came upon my family through separation and divorce. It came at a time when my children and I needed them most. They loved on my family with so much generosity and help that a thousand thank yous is not enough. There are so many other things that this group of friends has experienced, way too many to even write about. We have laughed until our bellies hurt, ate until they hurt even worse, experienced adventures together, cried until there were no more tears that would come, and we have prayed without ceasing for each other. We all have friends that come to us early in life, but the friends that God put together to do life with from this church are the true definition of what a friend is. I will love them forever, and so glad that I get to. Sometimes, you don't know who your true friends are until adversity comes. And sometimes you don't know who you are a true friend to until adversity comes to them as well. So a faithful friend is loyal in times of adversity. you know what else we find out? That a faithful friend rejoices in times of victory. Listen to what we read in Proverbs seventeen seventeen: A friend loves at all times. And the brother is born for a time of adversity. A true friend is able to rejoice with you when things are going well for you. Like what Paul says in Romans twelve fifteen: Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Now honestly, how many of us can say sometimes that because of our pride or our envy or jealousy or whatever we want to call it that sometimes it's easier to mourn with those who mourn when the chips are down for my friend than it is to rejoice when they're rejoicing. That when my friend is being more successful, more popular, more wealthy, more whatever than I am, those things that I crave, sometimes it can be really, really hard to rejoice with them during those times. But we read from Proverbs here that a faithful friend is someone who's able to celebrate in the victories of their friends. This is one of the reasons why I love Jonathan so much in the Old Testament. Do you remember Jonathan? He was David's best friend. Jonathan was set to take the throne when his father, King Saul, died. God had other plans, God instead anointed David to be king. And instead of being jealous of David, Jonathan rejoiced with him and celebrated his promised promotion from God. Because a friend loves at all times. They are loyal in adversity and they rejoice in victory. Here's another sign of true friendship. And this is a tough one for us to hear. A true friend, a faithful friend, knows how to speak the truth in love. Listen to what Solomon says. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Judas kissed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. That was not a kiss of friendship. It was a kiss of betrayal. And there are people in your life and in my life who might call themselves a friend and they'll flatter you and they'll butter you up to your face, but once you turn around, they're critical and they stab you. That is not a biblical definition of a friend. A good friend compliments you when things are going well for you in life, But when they see you walking down a path of disobedience, a good friend will have the courage to confront you and use tactful, loving words to get you back on the right path. So if you've got a friend who's developing a drinking problem, if you've got a friend who's doing things that's endangering his marriage or her marriage, You are not a friend to them if you sit back and say nothing because you worry about how your words might wound them. Because when a true friend wounds you with words, listen to me, they are not doing so to hurt you, they are doing so to sanctify you. And it hurts and it stings. And we say, Al, how could you say such a thing to me? But listen, friends, it's just like a doctor that when you go in for surgery, he takes that sharp scalpel and he has to use pain and cutting and hurt in order to cut out the cancer. He's doing so for your health and survival. The same thing happens with a friend when a friend says, I've noticed this in your life. I've noticed you're walking down this path. I've noticed this in your character that's not real consistent with what I know you can be and how I have seen you. You can do better. And because I love you, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to risk everything because I care about you that much. That's what a true friend does. In fact, there was a time that Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 2. Listen to this where Paul the Apostle confronted face-to-face Peter the Apostle. You Remember Peter, the rock, disciple of Jesus, right? He confronted Peter because Peter was doing something that was wrong. And Peter's wrong actions were having an influence on other people who were following step with him. But because Paul loved Peter... And because Paul loved the people being influenced by Peter, Paul says, Peter, you know better. You can do better than this. Read about it in Galatians 2 today and you'll see what I'm talking about. Oscar Wilde said it this way. A true friend always stabs you in the front. Isn't that a good way of putting it? So when somebody says something hurtful to you, you might might find yourself saying, man, Nobody's ever said anything like that to me before. That hurts. Well, you know what? Maybe it's because nobody's ever loved you as much as they do to say to you what needed to be said. So when somebody says something that's hurtful, ask yourself Do I have a track record of friendship with this person? Have they consistently been there for me? Because here's what I'm going to tell you today listen to me. You don't wound an acquaintance with friends. You make sure you have the relational capital with somebody, that you've been there through good times, bad times, you've laughed, you've cried. You make sure you've earned the right to be able to say the hard things into somebody's life. You don't just go flippantly saying something to somebody just because you notice it and you think they need to hear it. You make sure you've got the relational capital built up with that person, or it will fall on deaf ears. But a true friend, a faithful friend, Speaks the truth in love. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 27, 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend, listen to this, springs from their heartfelt advice. That's where we find friendship really being a blessing to our life, where it's pleasant, because they tell us from from their own self to us, hey, here's what I think you need to do, or here's how you can be better. I'm going to give you some heartfelt advice. Listen to Proverbs 28 23. In the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. If you have a friend who loves you enough to say, I see this blind spot in your life, and I think you can do better there, and I'm even going to try to help you to do better, you are a lucky, lucky person. And you are not wise if you turn away a friend or keep a friend at arm's length because they say things like this to you from time to time. So a true friend speaks the truth in love. Lastly, and while there's more characteristics of faithful friends, the last one we're going to talk about today is that a faithful friend is trustworthy. Listen to Proverbs 25, 9. If you take your neighbor to court, do not betray another's confidence, or the one who hears it may shame you and the charge against you will stand. One of the true tests of friendship is the ability to protect confidential and sensitive information. When sh- when someone shares with you something deep, something sensitive, something intimate, whether that's hopes, dreams, fears, sins, failings, whatever, You are not a friend if you can't keep your mouth shut. Period. My best friend, I should say my best male friend, my wife is my best friend. My best friend, Tom, is a missionary in Haiti. We were friends as children, played on the same baseball team together, but our friendship really developed in high school. And the quality of our friendship, I know, that both of us appreciated about one another and that drew us together as friends during those um, critical times of growing up years as teenagers was the fact that we could confide in one another, share everything with one another, knowing that it would never be heard by another set of ears, it was, as has been said, in the vault. And nobody could crack that vault, not parents, not spouses, not other friends. Our friendship flourished because we knew that one another was a safe place to share some of the deepest things that we could ever share with somebody else. Here's what Proverbs says in Proverbs 11: "A gossip we're going to talk about them next week betrays a confidence. But a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Some people think a secret is something you share with one person at a time. But a secret is something that you don't share at all, right? Psychology Today had an article called called The 13 Traits of Friendship. It's what people are looking for most in a friend. Do you want to guess what the number one trait is that people are looking for in a friend? trustworthiness, the ability to keep a confidence that when I tell you something, I'm telling you, and nobody else is going to find out through you. Here's what George Eliot once wrote. I love this. Listen to this and just let this soak into you this morning. A friend is one to whom one may pour out the contents of one's heart, chaff and grain together knowing that gentle hands will take and sift it keep what is worth keeping and with a breath of kindness blow the rest away isn't that beautiful it's what a friend does the last proverb it's not on your screen but it's one that I know everybody in here is familiar with it comes from proverbs 27:17 as iron sharpens iron, so one person, say it with me, sharpens another. I know that's what everybody in this room desires in your heart of hearts. And my prayer is today that you will surround yourself with other people wisely who are going to sharpen you, who are going to make you a more effective tool in God's hand, And that as a result of you being in their life, you're going to sharpen them and make them a more effective tool in God's hand. And I want you to realize today that you are only one friendship away from having your life fundamentally changed in an amazing direction, and only one friendship away of fundamentally changing somebody else's life in a whole new direction as well. So let's pray about this this morning, okay? The kind of friend that we want to be and the kind of friends that we need in our lives. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, I want to thank you today for your word's wisdom on people who are either going to make us or break us. There's people who will lead us closer to you or further from you, Lord. I pray for for that 25% who are here today, Lord, who statistically we know that they would say that they do not even have one close friend. No one to laugh with and to cry with and to share with in the the deepest ways, Lord, that you created us to. And I pray for that man or woman right now. I pray for that couple right now, Lord. I pray that from within this body, that just like we heard from somebody today share their heart about how within this church they found the kind of faithful friends who are loyal to them in adversity and we're able to rejoice with them in victory, Lord, and speak the truth in love and can be trustworthy. Lord, I pray that this church will be a place where those friendships can can be developed and they can grow and they can take root and that this church and this community and surrounding communities will be better because of the friends that come from within these walls. So Lord, we just pray today for discernment in the kind of friends that we make for discernment in the kind of friend that you've called us to be in the lives of those around us. Help us, Lord. Help us to be the kind of friend that we found in Jesus. Loyal, caring, forgiving, trustworthy, sacrificing. All the beautiful things that we love about him, may those be reflected in our friendship with others. We pray this in his name now, amen.